Hello and welcome to the After Sermon Podcast, where we look at a Bible topic, character, or concept. And today we're learning about true and false gospels as we study the sermon, Miracles for Sale. Welcome to the After Sermon Podcast. My name is Christopher, and today we have a very special host with us. I'll let, I'll let her introduce herself. Oh, Kiralee, back at it again. Back at it again. Yep. <laughs> and, well, you see, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this podcast couldn't be done by just anyone in particular. It had to be done by a very, very special person, which is why I brought Kira here. You see, I hold her partially responsible for uh, <laughs> oh, no. this debacle. Uh, the conversation that we're probably going to have today just sparked from a conversation we were having and uh, learning about the different uh, preachers that a lot of people listen to. And I was surprised to hear from Kira that uh, a lot of people um, are listening to people that we would probably say, you could do a bit better than that. And so I kind of went out of my way to uh, make a list of preachers I would recommend, preachers who would say like, yeah, you know, you could go either way, and ones which I would totally avoid. And that uh, eventually led to the creation of this sermon, Miracles for Sale, which uh, was focused predominantly on those sermons which you wouldn't touch. Not the good, not the so-so, but the mm, let's not go here. So today we're going to go a bit further into that topic. But before we do, we're going to go into our recap. That way, if you haven't listened to the sermon yet, you can go straight in. But we would recommend that you listen to the whole sermon so you can get a bit of a fuller picture of what we're talking about. Uh, what we are talking about is quite nuanced, so and we want to give people the benefit of the doubt. So I would strongly encourage that you listen to the sermon. That way you know the, the full perspective that we're coming from as we go into this topic, which can be a little bit dicey, but we still think it's an important conversation for us to have. So with that said... Let's get into our quick recap. There's no feeling worse than discovering you've been scammed. That the product you're selling is part of a big pyramid scheme. Those bank details you gave to customer service was really a telemarketing scam. That foreign prince you offered to help with your life savings, he was never real. The shocking realization of being duped hurts, but there are far worse deceptions we can fall into. The Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Galatia that within their own church were people trying to persuade them to follow a different gospel and a different Jesus. Paul warned so heavily against any false gospel, saying that if even he preached to them a different Jesus, they should reject him. But what is the true gospel? The good news of the gospel is that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus died on the cross to save sinners like you and me. The problem of false gospels didn't stop in the days of Paul. Today there are still many who try and deceive people into a scam. For example, many preachers like Joel Osteen preach only about wealth, personal prosperity, and that God promises to give us a life of earthly riches when no such gospel appears in the Bible. 
Others, like Phil Johnson of Bethel Church, promoted Jesus who was a man and not even God, and that the gospel must also be followed by miracles. But in emphasizing spiritualistic miracles, the true gospel is often diminished and a false one takes its place. With so many false gospels around, we need to be alert and vigilant, but also warn others if we... If, but also, mourn others if we see them wandering into a scam. But the greater calling we have is to preach the true gospel of Jesus Christ and the salvation for sinners like you and me. All right, well, Kira, uh, before we get into, we have a lot to unpack, so I'll just ask quickly, what were your, I suppose, initial reactions and uh, reflections from this sermon that really stood out to you? Yeah, well, I thought it was really interesting, um, especially considering that I had partially, like, a conversation that I had had and had partially inspired it, yeah. um, and hearing about it after the fact, I, I was really interested to see what had happened, um, just because there are these teachers and very, very prominent, prominent preachers who, yeah, perhaps are maybe preaching the wrong thing, but we're sort of afraid to, to call them out. Mm. Um, so I, I found it interesting, like, oh, we're, we're going for it. Going for the spice. We're doing it. Yeah, <laughs> the spice. That's it. Um, so I, I just found that good, really interesting and, and good to go back to, wait, what is the core message of the gospel? Mm. Good. Great. Okay, well, let's get right into the main meat of our podcast, The Cutting Room Floor, where we look at all the bits that didn't quite make it into the sermon, and we have a look and break them down. So the first false gospel that we looked at in... Uh, the sermon was that of the prosperity gospel. And uh, I'm honestly surprised that um, many people still get caught up in this Mm. because uh, it's been exposed by many, many, many good preachers for a long time now. And in America, it's always been something prevalent. It's always been something big. And most people have understood that it's almost one of the biggest scams in Christianity. Mm. But... Uh, people are still being sincerely deceived. And I think uh, for us even as well, we have to have the humility to recognize that that could be us, you know. Yeah. Uh, there could be other things that come our way that we might equally fall trap into. Mm. So I think it's good as well for us to have a look at these different types of variations of the gospel so that we can have the best knowledge we can mm. to be able to test uh, yeah. these gospels when they come our way. So I thought it would be very topical for us to look at perhaps the, uh, apart from Mr. Osteen, one of the biggest names in uh, prosperity gospel preaching, that of Benny Hinn. Now, my favorite Benny Hinn video ever, whenever he does these big like healing um, crusades, he mm. grabs off his jacket and he'll hit people with his jacket. You know, to, to, it's like a visual symbol to show the Holy Spirit is hitting them. My favorite thing, somebody's got that original video and an They've overlaid on his jumper like a lightsaber, so it's just him hitting no, people with a lightsaber. So people, some people have been a bit cheeky, but uh, he was recently in the news because he claimed to have repented of his prosperity preaching. Oh, uh, and people immediately came towards this video. You know, it was a huge talking point, uh, particularly in America, because he's so well known for his uh, blatant prosperity preaching. So. Uh, the clip that we're going to look at, I've had a, I've had a bit of a squeeze at. Kira is going in fresh, so uh, we're going to play a few clips, and you'll be able to listen in with us. And after each clip, we'll give a little bit of commentary, and uh, I'll ask Kira as well what her thoughts are 
coming in fresh and hearing the repentance of Benny Hinn. And I'm correcting my own uh, 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 theology, and you need to all know it. Because when I read the Bible now, I don't see the Bible in the same eyes I saw the Bible 20 years ago. So just a quick, that's a like thesis statement, if you will, mm -hmm. for the rest of the video. He's saying, I'm correcting my prosperity theology. And yeah. uh, I will say for our listeners, for the sake of time, we're going to look at some excerpts. But we'll put the links in the description below for you to watch the full video so you make sure that you can see the full context and make sure we are being as genuine uh, as we can and giving the benefit of the doubt here with these. I think it's offense to the Holy Spirit to place a price on the gospel. I'm done with it. I will never again ask you to give a thousand or whatever amounts because I think the Holy Ghost is just fed up with it. Are you, did you hear me? I think that hurts the gospel. So I'm making this statement for the first time in my life. And frankly, I don't care what people think about me anymore. So, I, I, I had a guy, well, I'll tell you who, it was Dan Willis. I, I, I love Dan with all my heart. I said, don't you dare preach that message again. Yeah. <laughs> if, just a few days ago. I said, no, no, I said, when, when, I'm not going to hear it. I don't want to be a part of it. So, I, when they invite me to telethons, I think they will not like me anymore. <laughs> because if you look at the Word of God, I don't want to get into it now. Am I shocking you? Good. Let's have a high five on this one. If I hear one more time, break the back of debt with a thousand dollars, I'm going to rebuke them. I, I, I think that's buying the gospel. That's buying the blessing. That's grieving the Holy Spirit. That's about all I will say. All right, so that's the um, repentance of Benny Hinn, the famous prosperity preacher, saying, never again will I ask for people to sow a seed of $1,000. It's an offense to say you can buy the Holy Spirit. What's kind of your gut reaction oh. hearing that off the bat? I mean, good. <laughs> yeah, well, I yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it's, just, it, it's just interesting, I guess, because it's sort of like, He's looking out to his audience like, come on, guys, like, mm, aren't yeah. you happy? And, like, they're all just sitting there, and like you said before, they're just confused. Like, yeah. honestly, like, there's a few people clapping, but they don't even look happy about it. No. <laughs> like, it's really strange. Yeah. I think what's unfortunate is, I think we would all be incredibly happy if his repentance was genuine. Because yeah. someone as influential as him could be a really good force for, for good in preaching the, the gospel. Um, but from pretty much every indication we can gather, this hasn't really been a genuine repentance. Um, right. Mostly because the very next day he asked people to sow a seed of $120. So, oh. <laughs> so it, 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 it's difficult... Not only that, um, this but, is about, sorry, I'll, I'll just say, this is about like the second or third time he's oh. repented of the, the gospel, So, okay. which is why people came to this quite skeptical, saying, eh, he does this every 10 years to do damage control. 
Um, so it's fair that people are a bit skeptical, but it's a bit difficult to tell, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's hard, though, because, like, often we get, like... I, I remember just a few months ago, like, the Christian radio station I listen to every two seconds, they're, like, so a seed of, like, 1,000 oh, miles. Wow. But they're not promising anything. Yeah, They're just promising right. to keep broadcasting. Right, yeah. Um, it's a bit different, but, I mean, you do have all these different voices saying, like, give us, give us your money, here's mm. what it'll do. Um, so th- there are a lot of voices who do that. But I guess it's what they're promising comes from the money. Yes, that's true, yeah. So, yeah, it's different. Yeah. I think uh, there's a great passage in Second Corinthians 7, 10, 11, which talks about repentance. And Paul, uh, basically a summary is he says, I, I really wish that you had a good spiritual repentance. He says, I don't regret convicting you with a godly sadness, he almost says. Because he says that produces godliness or holiness but he says worldly sadness only leads to death it doesn't right. it doesn't prompt you to change or anything and uh i don't know I, there's not a lot of you know this is a four minute clip there's a totality of the guy's life so you don't want to yeah. be too rough but in the, the the one clip we have of his repentance he doesn't really seem very remorse he's no. high-fiving people yeah, he's and trying he's to, like trying to get the props yeah and... he's trying to get the audience yeah. involved and the other thing that many have said is if he was truly repentant he would seek to fix his mistakes um just like zacchaeus who took lots and lots of people's money unjustly when he came face to face with jesus he said i'm not just going to give back people their money i'm going to give them more than what i took from them like he really went out of his way to go above and beyond to show his repentance but Mm. We haven't really quite seen that. But what's so interesting is uh, his nephew, Kostihin, he worked in this ministry for um, a great, a long period of time. And he came out because he just went, man, what are we doing? Um, you know, what's my uncle doing here? This is mm. whack. And he's actually one of the biggest voices against the prosperity gospel now in America. And make sure to stick around to... Till the end, we will have a recommended reading from Mr. Kosti Hin. Now, another big wig in the uh, prosperity gospel movement is Kenneth Copeland. He's actually probably, uh, yeah, he's one of the big forerunners. I, I don't know. I feel like after this, uh, we've kind of hit like the the, tri- the trinity of the <laughs> prosperity gospel, as it were. Right. Um, and there's this, again, this uh, was a very recent interview which came up. And in it, he is basically, you know, like kind of stormed by some reporters, which no one would like. You know, you're completely caught off guard. Uh, and they're asking him to justify him buying lots of private jets for his ministry. I think he says he has three in total. And uh, I don't know about you, but uh, for me, the, he starts off by saying, look, we have them so that we can go to the events we do. And he says, you know, if we had to go just in public transport via plane, we would have to stop about like half of the ministry we do because he's moving right. around so much. And okay. I hear that and I'm like, you know what? Fine. Like, okay. I-, I can't see your schedule. And th- that's pretty fair enough. You're a busy man. I'm sure he's a very busy guy. So if it kind of just stopped there, I'd be like, eh, that's, yeah. uh, that's all right. I-, yeah. I can I can link past that. But then he starts to talk about... Um, the prosperity gospel <laughs> and <laughs> he brings in some theology to justify his buying a private jet and that's now where i go a bit mm, i don't know so <laughs> we'll go in again okay. uh, kira's going in fresh and uh i'm just gonna 
smile as we listen to this <laughs> clip. Can't do that and be broke. So final question is, a lot of people maybe have a misunderstanding then about what you do in prosperity preaching. Yeah. So the final question is this. To those critics that say that a preacher should not be living a life of luxury, what is your response to that? They're wrong. That's it? That it's a misunderstanding of the Bible that if you, if you go into the Old Covenant, do you think the Jewish people believe you should be broke? Are you saying that Jewish people they appreciate money more than... Really? No, they believe in wealth. Some people would find that offensive. No, no, wait a minute now. I'm not talking about some people. I'm talking about the Bible. The blessing of Abraham. Abraham was extremely wealthy. And he had a covenant with God. Not the, it's not the Jewish blessing. It's the Abrahamic blessing. God, I get excited talking about it because I love it. And I started out deep in debt with nothing. Which is another story. But anyway. <laughs> so you say that it's biblical and that, it, it, that, that there's a foundation in the Bible for this. Let me close it with this. Sure. I... Um, I had to learn this, like I said, from the Bible and from my spiritual mentor, Oral Roberts. And, and I, I learned it from him, working with him, and then we became, he was close friends until he died. And, um, and he took the same heat for believing God would prosper you that I've taken over the years. And Abraham was a very, very wealthy man. Galatians chapter 3. If you belong to Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to his promise and his promise. Alright, so the, I suppose, summary is he goes, well, look at the Abrahamic covenant, it promises great wealth. And in Galatians 3, we're told that we are part of Abraham's seed, and therefore we are part of that covenant blessing for wealth. And uh, seeing as though it's not a visual medium, you listeners at home weren't able to see Kira kind of just like with her head <laughs> on the table, <laughs> having a bit of a, a meltdown here. So express to us in words that, that visual demonstration of just anguish that you oh. experienced. <laughs> um, I just... It's a very poor example of proof texting, this one, I think. Yes, yeah. Um, well, when I say it's a good example of it, but he's doing it poorly, um, that yeah. would be the better way to describe it. Um, just because, like, for me, I think, wait a moment, wait a moment. Like, hold up. <laughs> hold up. Stop it. You need some help. All right. So, but, like, I think about all the prophets throughout the Old Testament. Mm. I'm pretty sure it was Ezekiel who was told to just lie down for, yeah. like, half a year or something. Yeah. Like, was he rich? I don't think he ate very much. Like, I, and what he did eat was not good. Yeah. Like, I know that. So, like, these people surely were also, you know, included in this covenant, mm. right? And they lived very rough lives. So he's just taken Abraham and he said he's very wealthy. And, I mean, I guess we can assume he was well off. Sure. But so were a lot of people back yeah. in that, that society. Like, they were a thriving society mm. um, back in this ancient Mesopotamia. So, you know, everyone was pretty good. And 
just the idea of like using that to justify and it, it, it just it just worries me that he's so passionate as well about it yeah like the idea of like yeah I'm gonna go up and like, what about being passionate about the fact that you know you're saved you're mm. you're trying to go looking onto that um, that future hope of, of that heaven because that's when I don't want to say that we're going well that's when we do get I suppose our, our reward mm. um, it's, it's not it's not here. This is where we live now. You know, we're looking to something greater, but he doesn't seem to be looking for that. Mm. And I find it interesting that of all the things in Abraham's covenant that he focuses on, he focuses on, right, like wealth. You yeah. know, and I'm like, wow. Like if you read Genesis 12, um, and we basically every scholar understands through you all nations will be blessed. That's what God says to him. Everyone understands that to be a promise of Jesus would come yeah. through the line of Abraham. So it's it's all about salvation. It's all pointing towards Jesus. And yeah. he entirely misses the mark by saying, like, oh, no, it's about having lots of wealth and prosperity here. And, no. oh, and you know, anyway, uh, I think we, we do have to, you know, um, concede that. There are some people in the Bible who are blessed oh, with yeah. wealth. Yeah. You have lots of kings like David and Solomon and Job is blessed, but yeah. they're always like a neat bonus. Yeah, exactly. They're never God's yeah. main goal. Like even with Solomon, yeah. Solomon says, God says to Solomon, hey, what do you want? I'll give you anything. Yeah. And Solomon says, I want wisdom. And God says, oh. he's not expecting that. Okay. Bonus. Be yeah, because you asked for something so noble and selfless, yeah. I'll give you wealth yeah. as a bonus for the sake of your nation as your people. Is wealth ever portrayed as a great thing in the Bible as well, though? Very rarely. Hardly. <laughs> like Solomon, he's wealthy, but he messes up big time. Yeah. And part of that is because of his wealth. Like he shows people his money and it gets him in trouble. He Hezekiah know? does the same. Like yeah. the Babylonian envoys come and Hezekiah's like, hey, you want to check out my bank? Yeah, and then exactly. the Babylonians go... Hey, Nebuchadnezzar, Hezekiah's got loads of money. Let's invade Jerusalem. Why? It doesn't end well. And yeah. the, the wealth led to pride, which led to, amongst a lot of other things, the destruction of Jerusalem and the exile into Babylon. So, mm -hmm. uh, And I find it so fascinating that Paul basically writes about these exact same types of people in 2 Corinthians. He calls them the super apostles. Mm -hmm. And uh, these super apostles in the church in Corinth were claiming that they were favored by God because they were rich, they were wealthy, and they were having blessings from God. And they said, now look at Paul. Paul, he suffers. He gets like whipped and stoned and shipwrecked and no one likes him. And they said, God would not, you know, if God is truly working through Paul, right. then Paul would be blessed by God. But mm. look at him. He's got a terrible life. Therefore, he's not chosen by God. And Paul That's just... so interesting. It is, isn't it? And mm. Paul just, he goes, no way. That is not <laughs> how the gospel works. Yeah. And he says, um, he says, in every way, I'm more legitimate than these super apostles. He yeah. goes, are they Hebrews? I'm a Hebrew too. Are they, um, you know, are they circumcised? I am too. And for our uh, listeners at home, that passage is 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Uh, and I'd recommend you read verse 5, 22, 23, and 30 if you just mm. want snapshots. But read the whole chapter to get the full like diatribe that Paul gives. So that's interesting though, and I'll just like it just made me think of the church in Acts two, which is, you know, we're told that they give everything away. 
You have a everything. Stray. You're yeah. like, hold on. <laughs> yeah. How did it? How did it change so quickly? Yeah. So quick. Mm. And again, I think if the early church that had the twelve apostles guiding them could make these mistakes, mm-hmm. we have to be even more careful because we're equally susceptible to these things, and that's why it's important um, to chat about them. Let's quickly read a verse in First Timothy six, uh, which I think is my favorite kind of uh, discussion on this topic. So First Timothy chapter six, verses seven through to 10. And uh, if you're listening at home, we'd invite you to join us as we read. So this is Paul writing to his uh, mentor, Timothy. He says, "For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out." And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Mm. But it's notice there, though, it's the love of money. Not That's money right. itself. Yes. It's important to remember. And that is a common mistake that people make. Um, have you seen, do you remember that old old meme template, Philosoraptor? Yes. What a classic. <laughs> There's <Yes>. one <laughs> Philosoraptor where he goes, if the money, if money is the root of all evil, why do they collect it in church? And it's like supposed to be a yeah. zing. But yeah, no, as, it's yeah. the love of money. Yes. Mm. Um, you know, money really is interesting because it's only worth as much as we put value on it. And, <laughs> exactly. But... And I, I don't even mean that, like, of course we mean that in a term in terms of currency and, you yeah. know, like, exchanging, but uh, I guess personally, the personal value we place on it also means yeah. a lot. Like, how much are we... You constantly make these decisions. Like, yeah. you can work more hours to get more money, but it'll mean sacrificing personal time or time exactly. with family, time with friends, whatever it is. We constantly make decisions exactly. and it kind of shows where our love is and where our priorities it's are. So interesting as well because I've found like, you know, where, well, we're both, you know, younger, still in, still in college, university, mm. and I've only just started earning, like, I wouldn't say like big money, but, you know, more money than I've more, ever had. Yeah. And suddenly I'm like, where do I put it? Like, what do I do with it? <laughs> yeah. And like, you just have to think like, I don't, I don't even like, do I save it all up? And I'm like, yeah. oh, what do I spend it on? And when do I spend it? And am I being cheap? And it's just this huge, huge thing. And yeah. you do have to decide what to do with your money. And it's a big, big choice, I guess. Yeah. So I think that's a good place for us to kind of neatly tie up mm. our prosperity idea that God is not ignorant of the fact that we have to deal with money and wealth and that we have to, you know, work in a society mm. and get our pay to put bread on the table. But his, Paul says we're content if we have the bare necessities and that our ultimate reward is in heaven. And God, he never promises us wealth. He never promises life will be easy. But he promises that he'll be with us to help us through it, that we can endure whatever faces us. Yeah. So our next uh, one, probably our spiciest segment, because pretty much everyone can agree that Benny Hinn is not the greatest preacher. Everyone can get on board with Kenneth Copeland's a bit mm-hmm. of a hack. Uh, this is where we start to get into the real spice. Right. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think this is where, where it started, really. This, yeah, this yeah. kind of is. So we're going to be talking about 
two strapping young gents, one Mr. T.D. Jakes and his best bud, Mr. Stephen Furtick of Elevation Church. Now, mm. uh, as we said at the start, uh, our, I suppose, mission in discussing these is yep. not to put people down, um, yep. especially those who listen, because... Uh, it, these things are done out of genuine concern. Like yeah, they're un- they're uncomfortable conversations to have. Yeah. We're not here. Like, oh boy, I can't wait to talk about. Yeah, like, <laughs> so so many people find blessings in in these guys' churches. Yeah. Um, and and their ideas. And I know that I myself. Um, and sometimes at church we sing music from Elevation. And, yeah. You know, Furtick has a role in writing those songs. And, yep. You know, for a lot of people, that's how they connect to God. So definitely, these guys definitely lead people into christ but it's that idea of wait what, what's the gospel what's going yeah. on here i think uh mr jakes at least for me personally i would put in the i'd avoid category mm-hmm. furtick is in, and the reason i didn't talk about him in the sermon was right. i couldn't find something where he was like you know fully against the gospel no. it's it's a lot more it's just it, interesting yeah so i would yeah. put him more in we talked about three categories at the start i would put him more in the so-so category <laughs> Um, I think one of my main problems uh, on a personal level is I feel like a lot of his sermons are, I suppose, milk, spiritual milk as opposed to food. He doesn't really give any substance, but Mm. a lot of it isn't per se super, super harmful. So it's like, uh, it's a bit nebulous there. So we want our our, um, listeners in our discussion uh, now about uh, this very prominent preacher that many people do listen to know that it's not a personal attack on anyone and we're just trying to i suppose give light to some of the some of the mm-hmm. concerns that everyone who listens should be aware of so uh, i suppose a good place to start is that there is a close relationship between td jakes and stephen furtick uh, jakes is basically his mentor and jakes is very clearly prosperity um Maybe like a, a sub level or two behind Copeland or here, not as mm. not as bad, but like still up there. Whereas Furtick, uh, he has a few, I suppose you could say, isms, yeah, but is right. not as explicit. His preaching is more in the vein of self help or mm. self improvement, um, and the the very I suppose very self focused. It's about like your identity, your you breaking down personal barriers. Um, Mm. And I think the the problem there is that a large emphasis is on what God can do for you a lot of the time rather than what you can do for God. Mm, that's very true. And I think I think a way to describe it is also doctrine-based. Yes. Um, not doctrine-based, sorry. Not not the way that it's not, of course, what you know that, that saves you. And it's mm. just that belief in Jesus. But sometimes having a few of those finer details nailed down about, about your theology and things like that are, are really important. I think yes. as well. And well, that's even one of the things I uh, began my sermon with, which was that theology shouldn't be a, a term that we reserve for, you know, the ivory towers of scholarship. Uh, it's just a fancy word for studying God. And I think mm-hmm. that's something that we all should want to do, to learn more and more about God. Um, so uh, this is oh, this is going to be fun. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, there's a there's an Instagram account that's been going around recently called Preachers in Sneakers, and basically the idea is they you know find some uh, they find a, a clip of a preacher and to the best they can figure out what it is they're wearing, uh-huh. and they'll go to the website and find out 
like how much it costs. Yeah. And we have like some doozies. So, oh. Kira, how much do you think a Gucci baseball cap worn by Mr. Furtick would oh, cost? It's it Gucci. So expensive. Um, <laughs> So you don't think so, but like they don't sell things for like you buy a sock for like one hundred dollars on sale. Oh, like wow. seriously, this is that just the one or two, do you get a, the yeah, pair? Like one. <laughs> one. <laughs> um, oh, I think I'm gonna go at like eight hundred dollars. Eight hundred, Kira. This this game isn't fun if you overestimate. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> Sorry. All good. So the Gucci cap only will cost you about three hundred ninety dollars. Oh right, right. It's because you put Gucci in front of it and immediately. Oh, my. Okay, okay. How about this? This one isn't Furtick. This is Jake's. A Louis Vuitton messenger bag. That's another cha-ching name. it is. Louis Vuitton. I want to say 1,500. Oh, good, good. Okay. You you underguessed. Now it's good. Okay, okay. $2,590. By a whole thousand. By a whole thousand. And uh, the account is, I suppose... Uh, making some good awareness for the fact that it's not a coincidence that most of the people who are preaching these prosperity or in this case more pseudo prosperity gospels Mm. are pretty well off themselves (laughs) and it's not quite a coincidence and interesting yeah you know personal purchases are up to the consciences of individual people I think the problem I would have here is, for example, if I did buy a Gucci baseball cap, right. I probably wouldn't wear it at my church, is I mean... my concern. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I wouldn't. And the interesting thing is wealth is relative as well. That's um, true. I was listening, uh, uh, so someone was telling me a story about a pastor who lived <clears throat> just in like a, not in a city, but just like a, you know, mm. populated town, and he bought a car for like 6000 bucks, you know, right. which to him was like... yeah the best he could afford and then he went to a rural town where people were lucky to have cars and they thought that this pastor was you know rich and that he was toting around his wealth and that all of their tithes were going towards this fancy car and so they complained to the conference and the conference had to clear up none of your money went to this guy's car he got it way before and back then where he lived it was a cheap car and and for most people six thousand dollars isn't much for a car like no no yeah that's right So, uh, you know, uh, again, wealth is kind of relative. It all depends. But it's something for people to consider. Something um, that is to be taken into consideration. Um, I think a uh, a good passage to kind of summarize a lot of what these, I suppose, popular messages are is in 2 Timothy 4.3. And I think this speaks a lot to the popularity of preachers who don't really ever deal with sin, don't ever really preach the gospel because it's inextricably connected to to sin. And um, yeah, the sentiment here that Paul says is, the time will come when people will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. They will turn their they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. Oh, fables! Fables, Aesop's fables. So, <laughs> uh, I think that is true, isn't it? That um, we we uh, myself included, we yeah. all kind of gravitate towards the sermons that are like, yeah. "You're a champion. Yeah, you're great. You're the best. Yeah, God God loves you so much because you're worth it. Yeah, like, we like yeah. hearing that, but like, yeah. you're not worth 
like <laughs> in God's eyes you are, but like yeah. you know, in the grand scheme of things, we're not we're not really worth that much. God does have big plans for us, but it's like by His grace that He does, you know. Yeah. So yeah, right. we we really like these sermons that don't make us too uncomfortable. Yeah, aren't challenging and just like you are great, you are amazing, but then we never get to the next step, which is here's what you do with the fact that you have Jesus with you. You go share it, Mm. you bring people in, and then if these churches are saying go share it, sometimes some of the motives can be a little bit off because it'd be like, well, get them to invest too, and Mm. you know, not not quite a good idea. Yeah, (laughs) so I suppose what's missing is that extra step, as you said. It's yeah. good to, because uh, again, this whole sermon, uh, sermon, this whole podcast has been in First Timothy, First, uh, First and Second Timothy. Yeah. There's another passage where Paul says, "All Scripture is God breathed." Uh, I think it's yeah, three sixteen. Let me check. Yeah. Oh, I think so. Maybe it's Second Timothy three sixteen. Mm. Yes, Second Timothy three sixteen. Paul says, "All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, is profitable for doctrine, for reproof." For correction, for instruction, and in righteousness, that the man of God might be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Uh, and depending on your translations, there'll be some different words. Some will say like encourage or exhort. So it's interesting that Paul gives like this balance. He says it's good for reproof and correction, but also for teaching righteousness and encouragement. So there's mm-hmm. a definitely a place in preaching for encouraging and inspiring people. Uh, yeah. I think you know if you if every week. You're just hammering like, all right, what's the sin in your life this week? Yeah, like right. it can be uh, a bit Even draining, you know. That's yeah. just us uh, and our human nature. So Paul says as well, it's good to uh, uplift and to instruct in righteousness, to encourage. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and the gospel message is encouraging. Like it's the best news ever. So I kind of find it weird how people are like, oh well, I don't want to talk about sin. You know, it's very hard. I'm like. But it leads to the best news. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. it's you know, you go through an awkward few minutes, but you lead to something so much better. So powerful as well, like getting getting things out in the open and talking about how messy humanity is. Yeah, and I think I think what what's really good is I think we've seen a big improvement in a lot of churches recently, where we're trying not so much to give this impression that we've got it all together, but right. we're very willing to admit that all of our lives are messy. That we're all struggling with with sin or it could just be like you know difficulties in life that just come up you know and supporting each other so i think unless we have those real conversations we miss mm-hmm. those opportunities to help one another genuinely yeah sure. um now just as a little creme de la creme uh my my pals at bethel church uh, i actually kind of said most of what i wanted to say right. in the sermon but i kind of listed off a lot of these last things and i kind of wanted to go in a bit more detail into like the the pseudo spiritualism that kind of makes me a bit concerned for example prophetic clothes and jewelry so okay let, uh, let me see if i can actually quickly find it for kira here so kira what are you interested in are you interested in some leggings a kimono a dress uh a tank top what what are you keen to what what area of your life needs some prophecy (laughs) kimonos kimonos draped kimonos right let's see what we got here the family kimono the extravagant love kimono wait is that what i want in my life is that what i'm paying oh i I don't know if you're paying for the family (laughs) (laughs) Heavenly spirals, kimono. Lovely. Open heavens, kimono. Okay. And 
Open heavens. Oh, look, it gives you a prophetic meaning for it. Open heavens above the storms. A light in the sky leads the way towards the miraculous. Hope is on the way. Wow, that's very new agey. It is, isn't it? And um, let me quickly see if I can find the about section. Here we go. So have a quick read. The I suppose general gist is that through wearing these clothes uh, and jewelry, that the wearer can receive like prophetic messages, or their gift of prophecy is amplified in wearing them. Because the uh, creator of these claims that uh, this revelation has been given to her, and then she tries and like artistically mm. expresses it. Okay. Now, to me, that seems like a lot of extra steps just to say, I drew this nice painting and it makes me think about God. That'd be fine. That's right. cool. Right. But uh, as, as you kind of said, it starts to get a little bit like, oh, it's a bit new agey here. Like, yeah. uh, a bit worrying. My personal favorite might be psalm cards, which are very much right. like, um, they're basically tarot cards, but with psalms written on them. Okay. And... and- do you get a psalm card reading? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> so we'll get some... Oh, wow. Okay, first card, Psalm 34. and oh, It's oh. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. You are a shepherd, Kira. I, I don't, I don't yeah, know. Okay. I haven't seen it that's personally done, but it's been uh, endorsed right. and uh, practiced. Soaking up the Holy Spirit is an unusual one. Uh, it's a common practice to visit the grave sites of uh, spiritual people and do what's called like grave sucking and the idea is that you can channel a holy spirit in you that is presiding over the dead person (laughs) so again it's very uh very um I don't know, very spiritual, pseudo-spiritual, right. weird practices. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think what concerns me the most is many of the leaders claim to communicate with angels. And right. like, Galatians 1, don't, don't do it, don't talk with the angels, you know. And uh, I suppose overall the, the, the main gripe that um, I have is that when we do overemphasize spiritual gifts... Yeah. we lose the simplicity of the gospel. Right. And I find it so fascinating that 1 Corinthians is the go-to book for people who really love spiritual gifts, but mm. the kind of thesis of that book is stop being so interested in spiritual gifts, or at least the, like okay. the, in speaking in tongues mm. and prophecy. Because he says, and this is what I love, he says, pursue for the greater gifts. And what's the next line? Um, love it's all about love and uh someone said this to me recently that satan and his enemies they can they can replicate or mimic the gifts of the spirit um like we're told in uh revelation that there'll be false signs and false miracles so these like showy things can be faked but Mm. satan and his demons can't replicate the fruits of the spirit right and i thought wow that's really interesting that you know things like love and patience gentleness and kindness these are things which evil cannot do yeah uh and that's why paul emphasizes more these fruits because he goes these are the more important things that you know the fruit of the spirit is in you and this you know where this isn't poo-pooing on spiritual gifts at all they're very important 
But I like that that idea of the fruits of the Spirit being something unique to Christian believers. Mm. So, uh, whew, we finished the spice <laughs> era. We did it. Oh, gone. Uh, we're gone. So much spice. So much spice. Um, and sure to be many, many people writing in to Mighty Warrior Ministries saying, blah, 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 whatever. Right. <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> eloquent people. Ele- very eloquent, yes. But uh, look, we hope that... Um, we hope that for our listeners at home, we've done a, uh, a good job of uh, e- explaining some of the concerns that we have in some of these um, presentations of the gospel, which are either blatantly false or fall short in some regards. And so our appeal to you would be, if we have referred to anyone here uh, that you have listened to in passing or on a regular basis, that you think over some of the things that we've said. I think we've given a lot of uh, a lot of scripture and a lot of um, a lot of ideas to think over and ponder. And overall, I think we trust that the Holy Spirit will convict and guide you to the decisions that mm. need to be made. Um, there are so many, so many good, solid biblical preachers out there. And so, my personal philosophy has always been. If I find preaching that is subpar and doesn't do that great a job, there's not really any point in me staying there when I know there is much better sermons to listen to. So that would be my personal appeal to our listeners today, that if uh, you have some experience with any of these people, that you'd think it over, pray about it, and follow the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Mm, good. I would say um, the gospel is so beautiful. Um, it's It's amazing. When it gets sort of distilled by these little... By these little false truths it's it's really unfortunate it's really sad um just knowing that you know jesus came and became you know a human and and, and died for me is it's huge and the idea that i have this hope of you know eternal life and of and of heaven through believing in him is just is just so wonderful and and so beautiful and i think the idea that we can you know obviously live good lives here but you know we're not we're not promised to be made um to be made comfortable um we're just promised that you know we will have god with us and um we'll fill we'll fill him with the with the holy spirit as well so god's always with us Hmm. but we don't need the things that are going on in our lives you know getting riches and things like that to show how blessed we are we're already blessed enough through those you know those greater gifts those those um gifts of the spirit fruits of the spirit that's what i'd say Christopher, what would you recommend people go and read about this? So if you would like to learn more about the topics that we've uh, spoken of today, my first recommended reading would be Costi Hinn, uh, as I said, the uh, nephew of Benny Hinn. He's written a book called God, Greed and the Prosperity Gospel. Uh, I'd also recommend a video series by Darren Brown. Now, uh, I have a lot of areas in which I would disagree with <laughs> Darren Brown's uh, outlook on life and many of the things he says, but he has made uh, probably one of my favorite series uh, ever. Um, we'll have a playlist of the full show here for you to watch, and this is the premise. If this premise doesn't get you, I don't know what will. Mm. He gets uh, 
uh, a room full of about 100 people, and from them he narrows it down to about 20, and then he picks one person, just, just one guy. And for the next six months, he trains this guy up to be a prosperity preacher. So we're talking, they create a fake ministry, they teach this guy theology so he knows how to talk properly, they give him speech lessons on how to be a good preacher, uh, they teach him how to perform false miracles and like all these tips and tricks. And the challenge is for this guy at the end of the six months to do like a crusade at a church right. and to convince people that he's genuine and the concept is in that in revealing all of the sly tricks behind this it brings an awareness to the real examples of this and how right. easy it is for just some Joe Shalom to be able to do this yep. you know to trick and deceive people so yep. uh, it's really good like it is quality watching so okay. I would definitely recommend it and finally we mentioned it earlier preachers and sneakers we'll have the Instagram there and as we said We'll leave you to come to your own conclusions about that site. Yep. So Kira, where can these people find you if they're interested in learning more about all the stuff that you do? Yep, so um, the people can find me at my YouTube channel, which I think is just Kira Lee Josie. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And of course, they can find you on Mighty Warrior Ministries, oh, posting yes. some yes. great articles. Uh, go check out the latest article all about how to take care of yourself in every aspect, physical, emotional, mm. spiritual health. Very important. She's got them all covered. And of course, you can find me here on the After 7 podcast as well as at Mighty Warrior Ministries where I also put up some articles. No one here is interesting as curious, but have a read anyway. <laughs> have a read and uh, give us some views down there. Well, thank you so much for listening in with us, guys. We yeah. pray that uh, you've been blessed as we've discussed uh, the sermon, Miracles for Sale. And we'll catch you next time on the After Sound Podcast. With that said, have a good one and good, good night. night.